Welcome to the Makeshift CMO, a startup marketing podcast for founders and early stage company teams. I'm super lucky to be joined today on the Makeshift CMO by ZZ Peters. Sometimes we say marketing is rocket science or not rocket science, but ZZ <laughs> is literally a rocket scientist. He is the founder and CEO of Beam City. Preemptive ads everywhere. It is an AI tool to help advertisers crush it. I'm sure ZZ will be able to explain it much better to me. ZZ, we are lucky to have you on, man. How are you? I am honored to be on the show today, Bruce. I am doing good. Uh, Happy New Year. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully 2021 ends better than 2020 did, but with what happened yesterday, I don't know. I don't think we're off to a good start, but uh, (laughs) we'll find out. We'll give it another week. (laughs) We'll give it another week. I saw a really great meme today. It was like, yo, listen, I've had a seven day trial of 2021. I'd like to cancel my subscription. (laughs) We're ready for 2022 already. <laughs> We're ready for it. We're ready for it. Uh, but hopefully Let's no one is canceling their subscription to your product. You guys are doing some big things. I read about you guys in beta kit from my boy, Abdullah. I'm going to turn it over to you. What are you guys up to? Give everyone the Beam City backstory who hasn't you know, crept your LinkedIn like I have, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start from the top of the iceberg. So I'm Zeze Peters, founder and CEO of Beam City. My background is in aerospace engineering from Cornell University. I worked on microgravity space robots as well as space vacuum systems, but I spent a good part of the last 15 years building simple solutions to complex problems in applied AI, e-commerce, big data systems, consumer products. And one of the recurring thread whenever I was launching something new, wherever I was launching something new, is just getting the word out sucks. It's hard, um, you know, anything online. The tools were made by geeks. It's just too many steps to get anything going. And so I went out there and I built our platform, preemptive ads everywhere. Beam City's DNA is AI driven advertising automation on uh, 13 ad networks. That's Google, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Yahoo, Bing, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and we're finishing up on Google Shopping as well as Amazon so that you can come on our platform. And after a few minutes, you get your ads set up. The AI helps with setup, publishing, monitoring, and optimization so that you can focus on being creative. It does all the technical details for you. And some people will say, hey, you know what? Uh, I've heard about AI, but really what our platform is doing is active AI decision-making. So it's taking a look at your data in real time, making decisions for you, So you cut your ad spend and boost your performance, no humans in between. So that's really what DNA is all about. It's pretty awesome. We help customers get, you know, six times, a hundred times better results in days, deeper insights than you can get on Facebook directly. And better yet, you can kind of set it and forget it. It just helps you do the work. So pretty cool stuff. Awesome, man. Taking a look at what you guys do, talk to me a little bit about how it was started because I met you back in TechTO. I vaguely remember you might've been talking about this idea, but uh, (laughs) talk to me about the business model, how you came to this idea, like after doing engineering. Yeah. Yeah. So many people always find it weird that the rocket scientist is in this part of the world in the ad space, but there are some ad problems that do require rocket science. So the company actually has the world's first video-based shopping mall. What's the biggest problem that's happening in the world of business? 
it's basically the retail apocalypse affecting trillions of dollars of retail spend. There's a stat where before COVID, big malls were losing 10 to 15% of foot traffic every year, right? And that's the big malls, not even the mom and pops. Mom and pops are getting decimated. So I started our company out using machine vision, speech recognition, OCR, and video to digitize a full store and get it shoppable. That is products, shopping, ETC in six hours flat. We had dozens of businesses getting successful on it, but we were finding a few challenges, right? So some of these businesses, they spend 10 grand on their rent, seven grand on products, 10 grand on employees. They just had no cash by the end of the month. Plus they needed training. So we decided that we're going to focus on the AI aspect. That's the AI advertising step, because we help them not only get their products online, but advertise it automatically. So we decided to focus on just that piece with DNA so that we could help digital first businesses, digital economy businesses that may be running ads already or may be looking into it to succeed a lot easier. I mean, you've probably done this before and you decide, you know what, I want to go on AdWords and two months later you gave up because you don't have any anything to show for it. So we want people to not have that problem anymore. An artificial intelligence system not only help you to do the tactical steps, but we're finishing up some stuff right now, which is insanely cool where it'll actually tell you, hey, you know what? Our ads are cool, but your website might need some help. Do that automatically. Let people kind of see where their weak points are. People get to succeed a lot faster, easier in this new digital economy. So because this is a marketing show, I do have to ask the tough questions. Is Beam City becoming a billion dollar company the end of all paid marketers? <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, and that's a fantastic question, right? In fact, that's one of the first pieces of fear a lot of paid marketers have before we start our convo. But then when you listen to my philosophy, you see why our tool is just another machine. So what is a machine? A machine is something made to make work easier. Make work. <laughs> and so yeah, exactly. exactly. And AI is just a smarter machine to make even more stuff easier. So the way we see our platform is a way to help marketers, that is paid marketers, agency marketers, in-house marketers get more done keep your creativity, let the platform handle the technical details that humans can't manage anyway, right? So imagine you look at an AdWords report. If you hit the refresh on the browser, five minutes later, it's giving you new data. Five more minutes, hit the refresh, more data. You're not churning through all that stuff. I mean, a hundred keywords, 10 different creatives, humans are just not made for chewing through hundreds of thousands of data points every couple of minutes but DNA is made to not only chew through it, but make good decisions. And so we see our platform as paired with marketers so that the marketers use our tool to test, verify, and expand on their creativity. Let the platform handle the technical details of targeting revisions and optimizations. Absolutely. I was just having a conversation with an SEO expert yesterday on this podcast who was saying something very, very similar with respect to keyword reports. It's oh, yeah. like, just don't even trust, not don't trust, but like take it with a massive grain of salt. What yeah, the, I mean, the, some, the some marketers are good at seeing the high level patterns, but unless you look at a graph and most of the data is not easily graphable, humans just can't compete with the computer on this stuff. Just straight up true. Absolutely. So your target audience is primarily you're selling to either marketers or business owners, operators, or what's the go-to market there? 
Well, we have a sweet spot, right? So I'm um, like with any business, there's a sweet spot, there's a sour spot, there's a bitter spot. We don't even touch the bitter spot. Bitter spot are people who don't do any advertising ever. So our sweet spot are businesses that are doing half a million to $5 million. They may be selling already on a marketplace like Amazon or mm -hmm, eBay mm -hmm. or anything else, or they could be direct to consumer business that is looking to get better performance, right? So these guys are our sweet spot. They're spending some money already on ads. So when we go talk to them, they understand the space. They understand how we can help them. It's an easier sale, but we do work with agencies because agencies have have the same problem. Agencies, they need tools so that they can do more with less time, right? Hence the use of machines. And that's the key point because otherwise they have to scale out their teams a bit much, right? Imagine you're trying to help 20 customers. This guy wants Facebook. This one wants Google. Hey, this guy's looking for Snapchat. You just don't have the in-house expertise for all the channels, all the targeting, all the monitoring that is required on top of the creative. So our platforms help these agencies to say, hey, you know what? We've got this tool that's going to help you really expand your reach. It's automating a whole bunch of steps so you don't have to kind of waste time. And it gives you better statistics than you'd get otherwise so that you get insights faster, better segmentation, and your dollars don't go wasted. I mean, agencies win, sole proprietors win, but our sweet spot is for people who already spend some ads on the internet. I used to work at an agency maybe four or five years ago, and the struggle of producing rap reports where you Ugh. prove to your client like what insights, like what you did good, that oh, is boy. so real. So, oh, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, imagine, you know, yeah. like for you guys, if you guys didn't even give your clients those reports, they don't know what to do with the data, right? It's, you know, you know people underplay it, but analytics interpretation is a huge deal, right? Even for agencies, it's, it's just, it's a lot of work and you got to take data and turn it into human language. <laughs> awesome. So uh, yeah, <laughs> so we're starting to do some of that too, because our platform makes decisions and it's an auditable log. So you can kind of see what it's doing, when, which keywords it's selling you a shit, which placements it's saying are cool. But we want to not only just give you the trail of what it's done, we want to also tell you why it matters. So look out in this space end of January for insights, integrated audit trails made by AI. Awesome. So clearly with what we've heard and what your product is, Beam City's sort of roots are in e-commerce, direct to consumer. As someone who is so up to date on all of these things, what are some trends that you see for the future of 2021, 2022, for the future of retail so other founders can better understand where these trends are going. Yeah. So, you know, there are a couple of things I'm going to slow down a little bit so that I don't kind of leave myself behind <laughs> while giving out my thoughts. So in the retail world, everybody now knows a trend that I've seen coming for a while, right? The digital economy was accelerating for a while, but last year people were getting six years <laughs> worth of changes done because they were seeing 100, 200, 300 percent e-commerce growth in some categories, which means that consumers, because we're in lockdown, are building the new behavior or at least supporting the behavior of shopping online. This poses a huge problem for physical first businesses because they were not digital economy businesses already and the world is moving so fast that, that their revenues can't kind of catch up. So they will not be able to catch up unless they use AI integrated tools like what we do. That's one key point. If you, You're not going to hire your way out of this problem. You're going to have to go ahead and use automated systems because you can't compete otherwise. I really love that point. You're not going to hire your way out of this problem. It's such an no. old way of thinking. You have a problem 
throw headcount at it. That's not happening. <laughs> No, not with this kind of problem because, uh, you know, the headcount, there's a term I've coined recently, mortgage marketing. Most of these businesses, they rely on the free marketing of the placement of your business to get sales. We're at home. We can't see your storefront. Mortgage <laughs> marketing. I love that. Yeah. So we can't see your storefront. So nobody's buying. And if you think about it down to the KPIs in e-commerce or any form of digital economy sales or digital commerce, it's cost of customer acquisition. So if you take your lease cost, your employee costs and divide it by the sales so that you can see the cost of acquisition for each of your customers, it's gone from maybe five bucks per sale before to maybe a hundred if you're lucky now. So this is a huge key opportunity in the digital front because if you've got the right makeup of your team and using the right tools like DNA, you can actually have cost of customer acquisition or sale acquisition that's competitive or even beats mortgage marketing today. And actually with our platform, our aim is to beat mortgage marketing, period. <laughs> and that's why we're building preemptive ads everywhere. That's awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of shows like Shark Tank and there and Kevin O'Leary always says that it's like the main reason businesses fail is because they can't get customer acquisition costs down. That's it. Yeah, it's really yep. that simple. It's a bloody reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're not optimizing for that somehow, some way your runway ends and the story ends. So figure it out. And we can help those kind of guys do it quickly. Awesome. Yeah, I think at least the way I understand the ethos of what Beam City is able to do is kind of give, at least one of the things is give smaller businesses like who had storefronts, like if you move digital and you start running ads, you now have a puncher's chance of surviving in this environment. Like no, right. no guarantees, bloodbath out there, but we it's are- marketing. <laughs> we are a tool that is going to give you a puncher's chance to probably save you. If you don't run Facebook ads, probably save you six months of testing. That's the idea. That's right. So people who are complete novices can get some of the tools that the big agencies build internally, but we make it way easier to use than those complicated interfaces. So they can get some success sooner, or at least a lot of really good data that they can use to make the next set of decisions quickly. But then for the bigger guys, there's just a whole pile more under that skirt that is best shown in a demo. <laughs> but for the smaller guys that can come in, get successful soon. For the bigger guys, they get a lot of cheese for that sandwich. <laughs> cheese for the sandwich. That's Love right. It. So the team is growing at Beam City. Absolutely. Big things are coming up in 2021. I always want to let founders on the show rip on their plans, their big dreams, what's coming up next. Where's it going? Yeah, so we've already talked about the fact that we support over a dozen ad networks already, but we're not stopping there. We already do, like I mentioned at the beginning, Google, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Google Shopping, and we're finishing up Amazon. But the Pinterest, the TikToks, the uh, DuckDuckGo's, the Verizon channel, and then even they're not obscure, but they're not as popularly known networks like the Trade Desk, Criteo. We're hunting in those grounds too, so that by the end of Q2, we can have some of that in. But before the year ends, from a network's perspective, we're going to be supporting podcasts and not just podcast ads. We're talking about AI-generated voiceovers published as podcast ads. Now, this is going to allow people to come online for the first time, type some text, AI turns it into a voiceover. You publish it as a podcast ad. There's millions of people in North America right now. The daily routine includes one or more podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on the Apple network or 
pick a platform, right? So we want all of these retailers, all of these businesses, these DTC brands to take their own voiceovers, use AI with our platform if they've got to, so they can get their voice heard in front of the ideal customer. So that's really number one, number two. I don't know where I'm at in terms of my account. So more platforms, podcasts, but then we're doing some really cool stuff that I can't talk about. We call it Zeitgeist. I'll just say weather controlled ads and leave it there. Ultimately, we want to end the year where your ads show up before you've even done a search to the ideal person without breaking privacy, right? So if you think about how that's going to work, I mean, you can see what the big trends are in the world today, right? Privacy, 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 you know, there's all these ad blockers everywhere. You know, it's affecting third-party cookie makers like Criteo and Trade Desk more than Google and Facebook because they own their platform. Most of us spend all day on Facebook. Heck, I don't even remember the last time I logged into Facebook. I don't remember my password. But that shows you that they know a crap ton about me. And so they won't lose a lot of data outside of Apple devices. I don't know if you've seen the Facebook Apple news that's uh, going around. Yeah. Apple's yeah. their policy, so Facebook's mad about it. You know, what are you going to do? But otherwise, almost everybody else is going to have a huge problem with cookie-oriented targeting. So our platform allows you to insert a persona, a customer persona, income, age, language, a bunch of details about your family, and it will predict where those people live and work anywhere in North America down to the postal code or zip code so that you can have a geographically hyper-targeted set of people to reach up front before you've gone into any of the other dimensions. We already have this. We're going to be putting that on crack. I don't know. I don't take crack, but you get my point. It's going to get, we're going to be hypercharging that in 2021 even more. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, but I want to stay on one point as a yes, sir. podcast host and podcast addict. So let's back up there. So as I yeah. understood it, I as a digital marketer, I'm going to be able to write ads on boop, a keyboard boop, 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 boop. and transcribe or, or, them. or say it into your phone. Okay, and transcribe them into podcast ads. Let me re-say it. We're giving you two ways to make a podcast ad. You can talk into your phone and use your voice as the ad, or mm. you can type and let the AI say it with emotion in the way you want it to go on any of those podcasts. So some of us suck at anything that's recorded voice. I know because I ran a music company once and I couldn't sing for shits, but my <laughs> artists were able to and that was cool. So I know that recording my voice for a podcast ad may not be the best move. So hence you have a text-to-speech AI system. You know, you can choose if you want it to be a girl, a man, how you, you can want it. You to can speak. choose if she sounds like Beyonce or Jay-Z or well, whatever. Not yet Beyonce, but we got not the, yet, not yet. Not yet Beyonce, but hey, you, you know, Beyonce might sue you if you try to use her real voice. But oh. you can have a Beyonce-esque. Right? Beyonce-esque. Yeah, Beyonce-esque. That's actually a good point. Hmm. So anyway, next, that, next that, thing on the product roadmap, roadmap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we've got either the friends or the tech to kind of get us all the way there. But we have to kind of not spread ourselves too thin. We are a small startup bootstrapped, not yet a big investment in from a second or third party investor. It's mostly be me and grants I got from the government. So we're using those as diligently as we can. Our team is growing significantly we've doubled since October and we're going to uh, add another I guess 50% by the end of this month so we're moving at a nice nice clip that's awesome I read your guys' story on beta kit about BIF receiving that's the Black Innovation Fellowship yeah yeah so talk to me a little bit about that about how the city of Toronto is yeah. you know supporting this they're committed this to initiative. supporting and advancing a a a absolutely business. 
So the DMZ is Canada's top accelerator. True or false? 100% true. So we are part of the Black Innovation Fellowship at the DMZ that helps Black founders, people of color, to get access to not only programming, resources, networking with the DMZ. So historically, it's just been tricky to get resources around the city. You know, many people don't know that it's true, but I've experienced it firsthand going into a room and people just kind of pre-ignoring you before you've even said a word. So instead, my first tactic before Biff was I started wearing suits. So people thought I was about to give them money. So that worked out. So wearing suits, people think you're going to give them money. That works. But then, you know, I went out, did sales for my company, grew it quite a bit. And then I heard about the Black Innovation Fellowship, applied for it, got in. It's a fantastic program. You get mentorship from other Black founders who have done it, who have built million dollar, multi-million dollar companies, you know, eight-figure companies and can kind of help you think about sales and product and marketing and just, you know, HR and networking, because you're not going to win going yourself, right? Everybody says, oh yeah, this one guy did the whole thing himself. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, he did it himself. But in reality, there's a network around him. You just didn't hear about in the biography and they helped him open a pile of doors. And so you have to know that that's the reality. And we're part of this program. I personally help other founders who are in the program or who are in the bootcamp, that's kind of like a passage into the program. I work with other DMZ incubator and accelerator startups, help them succeed. It's like a brotherhood, right? Or a peerhood. I don't know what's the right word to say it, to not sound gendering, but it's a peerhood of founders. We help each other out. We see, you know, you can work with the guy who's already got to the series A. They can tell you exactly the steps you need to take in terms of hiring, in terms of product market fit to get to that next goal you've got. So DMZ Biff can't say enough good stuff about it. I love that. I once worked for a company that was a part of DMZ and there really is that sort of alumni. It's like you're always a member. I think I went back there like two months before lockdown, even though I oh hadn't worked there and I was just like, hey guys, what's up? It's me again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yo, I mean, you know, some people think that they can kind of run themselves and, you know, if you want to do that, it's cool. But why do that? Why tread in this world of entrepreneurship? There's some tried and true things that work and people who have done it before know. So get that knowledge, upgrade, and then focus where your strengths are, which is on your own company. All the other things that other people have solved, why solve it again? Just work with people who know what you're doing and the DMZ knows a whole ton of those people. So. Yeah, get in if you can. Speaking of people in your space who know what they are doing, I just looked it up and someone who is a big backer, committer, I guess on a monetary level of the BIF is Harvey Finkelstein. So COO yeah, yeah. of Shopify. So oh my clearly, God. clearly playing in your space. So oh, yeah. you know, for you, that couldn't be a better fit. I mean, it's a fantastic fit. I haven't personally met Harley, but I've read his backstory about how he bugged at Tobias until Tobias had to put him into the company of Shopify and now he's yeah. the CEO. I mean, that's just maximum muscle, man, and maximum grit. And that's one of the things that I believe in, right? So as a founder, as an entrepreneur, you can start your company, but you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to want to change and make a better product. You're not going to be perfect round one, two, three, four, heck. If you look at what Apple did, Steve Jobs would say, nope, and maybe 10, 20 iterations later, the product goes out because it's that much better with iteration. And that's how you got to treat your startup. But that also takes grit, perseverance, and getting a great team. I think I've got a really good team. Always going to do better as we grow. But that's where yeah, people like Harley, 
supporting the BIF, big deal. The city of Toronto supporting BIF, big deal. And it's not just DMZ and BIF. There are other really strong programs that are helping in this new digital economy. For example, Digital Main Street Crew. I mean, I got to shout out those guys. Daryl Jewlett, he runs that out here in Toronto. They're really helping Main Street businesses tackle the new economy. That's the best way for me to say it. Getting free Shopify stores, getting them to kind of understand what it takes to survive in this new age. Because if nobody does it, we're going to have a huge problem in this economy in a few years. So shout out DMS. I always want to spend a part of the podcast, especially when I have founders on talking about the trials and tribulations of actually being a founder with your team set to grow another 50% by the end of the month. Let's dive in deep towards the latter bit of this podcast. Let's talk about how do you keep your team inspired when you don't have a space like the DMZ to bring them in? Let's start with that. I feel I've been pretty lucky, right? So before I started Beam City, I was the director of product engineering at a business, at an agency, a digital agency based out of Massachusetts. And I led teams in three countries. So remote work is a thing that I actually got really good at before COVID. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's been a really big advantage because my team, we have a remote culture that we're able to build pretty quickly. So every morning at 9 a.m. for 15 minutes, we've got our morning stand-up. We're joking about stuff all the time. In fact, yesterday in the middle of our standup, a team member of ours, she's got uh, kittens and they stood on the table and started fighting just spontaneously. (laughs) So, So this kind of stuff, it's actually fun for us to be together. And that's really, to me, one of the key points of inspiration is people gotta want to be there, right? They got to want to show up and they feel accepted. They don't feel the wrong kind of pressure. You want people to be accountable for the work, transparency, all of that, but it shouldn't be scary to go to work. (laughs) And so that's how we built our team out, whether it's the guys who are in Canada, the guys who are not in Canada. We come together, we talk about just about everything. In the beginning of the company, I'll admit, I wasn't empowering enough so people could go and run on their own, you know, the micromanager kind of mindset. But you can't scale a company if you're a micromanager, not really. So give people a lot more leeway to think up and execute and check up on them, obviously, so that you're not off track. Because if you're building a company, if I talk about it like vector math, right, if the dimensions on your vector are pointing in a scatter plot, then you might not move at all. But if everybody's got their scalers just kind of pointing in the same direction, then you're really going to accelerate. But you got to do it and people got to want to do it. They got to want to be there. And we do a good job of that. You know, everything we do is video calls. We see each other. You're not allowed to turn off your camera. We make fun of each other. You know, I try not to let the team make fun of me too much, but I'm sure they've got their internal jokes and that's okay. That's part of the job. I love that the vector scalar thing just brought me back to like first year physics, like, <laughs> like that. But uh, Your physics is not going anywhere, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why this has become the go-to question for me on this podcast. Oh boy. But everyone on this podcast, you talk about founders, marketers who are working with, you know, not very much. Everybody starts to feel the big old B word soon, burn out everyone's a high achiever. How do you deal with it when your load, you know, there's just too much on your plate and you're feeling the potential of burnout? I'll explain what my schedule is like and then you tell me about burnout, right? So my day starts at 3 a.m. every day and my first meeting is at 3 a.m.? Every morning I wake up. 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. 3 a and then there's an M after that. That is 
insanity. Right. So you've heard about the five-hour morning. I do 3 a.m., baby. But the point I was trying to get to there is I wake up super early so that I can organize my time, right? When it's daytime hours, between meeting with my team and meeting with customers, I run out of daytime. (laughs) So instead, I wake up at 3 in the morning so I can get some of my stuff done, help my team out, and end the day. So that, you know, you're talking about 12, 14, 16-hour days just for months and months at a time. So how do I make that work? Workouts, right? So I don't do a formal workout. I used to do a lot of renovations in my house. That's how I did workouts. But by changing gears every couple of weeks and doing something physical, it rejuvenates me. It makes me feel good. Fantastic. But then two, I take breaks during the day. So every day my team couldn't tell, but after our morning scrum, I take a break for 45 minutes. I go do something else. I play with my kids. I might kick a, a rock outside. I don't know. But the point just being, I take a break so I can reset, walk about, do something else with my brain, and then get back to work. And some afternoons, if I feel tired, I will sleep. In fact, there's members of my team. We used to work out of the watershed at Bay and Queen. And there was a room yeah. at the back when nobody was looking at go there, lie down on the couch and freaking sleep. Because if your body's tired, you got to respect it and sleep. Now, as it ties to deadlines and things that have to be done, there's the concept of what is urgent and what's important. What is urgent is oh my God, oh my God, something is burning. I got to deal with it right now. And what's important are the things that will help you get to your goals, right? That vector we were talking about. So I've been trying better and better, or, or I've been succeeding more and more at making sure I have time for what's important, even though we know that what's urgent is going to show up, right? You make a product roadmap. You're like, okay, we got to hit this feature, hit that feature, hit that feature. And then you hit a whole pile of bugs and you lose half a day. So now we're paying attention to the fact that what's urgent is going to be part of our schedule. So we just take a look at what we're doing, multiply it by a bunch, and, and that's the schedule, right? Because you know something's going to go wrong. Someone in our team is going to show up and hit it with a big hammer and break it into little pieces, and then you got to go back and fix it. A customer will use a piece of the interface that you've not tested in a couple of days, breaks the whole thing. Okay, so let's go fix that. But then you also know you got to move the bar forward. So in terms of burnout, I have long ass days, but I rest. If my body's tired, I don't say no. If I've got something on my calendar, I try to focus on important and urgent. Important, I try to keep time for it every week. If I can't hit important, I don't beat myself over the head, (laughs) you know, because ultimately I'm working a ton. I don't know that there are a lot more hours in the day that I could work. So just have to be forgiving. So forgive yourself if you're an entrepreneur, but you only have the right to do so if you're working your ass off already. Spoken like a true entrepreneur, the person who's willing to put the nails, put the boots down and just get it done. Oh my gosh. You have to get famous someday. You guys have to make it big now so that when I take this podcast recording, I'll upload it to YouTube (laughs) after you guys are up. After, after you guys are a billion dollar company and you write your book, the five hour morning, you know, like, <laughs> like a parody, like a parody of the, you know, like the, Tim the, the 3 a.m. morning, how to work a full work day before noon every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, how Tim Ferriss has like the four hour work week. It's like this book is, work week. is literally the opposite. If yeah. that doesn't jive with you, this is, uh, this <laughs> let's is just call me the anti Tim Ferriss. <laughs> In terms of hours, in terms of, I mean, Tim Ferriss is trying to tell everybody to work less. 
actually, that's what you're doing too. You're, you're telling marketers work less. That's right. We're building the tools so that it can work less, but it takes a lot of hours up front. Just like any advancement in technology, whether it's cars, you can bet when Ford was trying to make mass produced cars, they weren't working four hours a week. <laughs> they bust their butt off, made the factories, made it work. They gain the time with the automation and then use it to make it better. So that's what we're doing. And really as an entrepreneur of a startup where your goal as a startup is to grow fast, that's your goal. Figure out what's going to work, automate what you can, get some of that time back, rinse and repeat until it's freaking amazing. That's absolutely awesome. We're coming to the end of the time, but ZZ, I just wanted to give every guest a chance to do a special plug to a CTA, anything they're passionate about. It doesn't have to be related to their business. If it is your business, you can simply say, hey, I'm ZZ, find me at my website or your email. Got it, got it. Well, I'm not going to do something that basic. I think it's worth giving back. So when I started my journey as an entrepreneur, when I was seven, (laughs) you know, there were no resources. I helped my mom to sell stuff. Cool. Starting this journey as an entrepreneur with AI oriented startup, what I wish I had was more opportunities to meet more entrepreneurs at the level that I was trying to go for. So I'd like to pay that forward, right? So if you are an entrepreneur or a marketer, You might want to talk about my platform, but you might just want to talk about, hey, you know what? Entrepreneurship, give me some ideas, or I've got this idea. Is it any good? Or I'm trying to raise money. You know, what has worked in terms of VCs or grants? Or heck, I'm trying to make a product. What are the right techs, pieces of technology that have to be in my stack? Ring me up, right? So I've got my Calendly. So calendly.com slash city slash convo. Book a 30-minute slot with me. We'll chat about it. So that's calendly.com slash Z-E-Z-E dash B-E-A-M-C-I-T-Y slash C-O-N-V-O. Talk to me. What I'll make sure to do is put that Calendly in the show notes and when I post on my personal LinkedIn. What I would really love, what I personally would make what this episode so worth it is if somebody like eight, nine months down the road, maybe a young black founder is like, yo, I applied to BIF because of what what ZZ and Bruce were talking about. And then they DM us that that would be like, that would be super awesome, man. That would be super cool. And that's what we want, right? We want people to get inspired. We want people to reach out and get the help they need. We want people to win. So let's do that. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Makeshift CMO. If you want to follow what we're doing to help early stage startups, founders, and marketers subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For all business inquiries, please email us at bruce at thebannermarketing.co or follow us on IG at banner.co.